Have you ever thought about starting your own podcast? When I was thinking to get this podcast off the ground, I had a lot of questions. How do I record an episode? How do I get my show into all the apps people like to listen? How do I make money from my podcast? The answer to every one of these questions is really simple. Anchor. Anchor is a one-stop shop for recording, hosting and distributing your podcast. Best of all, it's 100% free and ridiculously easy to use. And now, Anchor can match you with great sponsors who want to advertise on your podcast. That means you can get paid to podcast right away. In fact, that's what I'm doing right now by reading this ad. One to sentences in the thought. Don't worry, just do Anchor. With all the portals and everything in a sensible way, you get a benefit. So if you've always wanted to start a podcast, make money doing it. Go to anchor.fm slash start to join me and the diverse community of podcasters already using Anchor. That's anchor.fm slash start. I can't wait to hear your podcast. Greetings to all. This is Abhivardhan from Internationalism. And here we have a session on mediation, artificial intelligence, and international politics. This is something like very interesting, and I will take it bit by bit. So, when we understand the idea of mediation, it is more about being specific. It's more about being different from what a court procedure is. It's more about trust. But keeping these things a little bit aside right now, let us understand mediation as a social culture. So, when we talk about artificial intelligence and international politics, both of them require social legitimacy and social value. And that is something which is important in this information age. So, you can refer a few jurisprudence on that but apart from jurisprudence you can also refer some good works by sociologists and historians on the idea of mediation and international politics but if you understand and analyze them you will come to know about a lot of aspects about how mediation and international politics are so much deeply interwoven and that is somehow the same with artificial intelligence as well. So, uh, let's get on with international politics first. See, international politics is more about understanding the state affairs and the, non, the, uh, the affairs between the non-state actors as well. It's not just about the United Nations or the international organizations, but also about the non-state actors. Now, who are those non-state actors? Let's be honest about it. So... Uh, if you go to the crux of international law, the very Im interesting part of international law, which is very important for international law scholars and, you know, obviously for law students and other people, is international humanitarian law. So, in IHL, you find non-state actors as illegitimate non-state actors, obviously, who are armed groups, terrorists and others. But they are not state actors. That is, they are not government forces. They are not heads of state. They are not, uh, you know, under some governmental aid in that way. That is an, another issue. That is a, another contentious aspect uh, as per the IHL. But, you know, let's take non-state actor for that perspective. 
okay but in general international law the very you know normal norm, normal aspect of international law in which we have the united nations general assembly we have the un security council we have the icj we have other particular organs of the un and also the other international and regional organizations when there is no such situation when ihl is applied so i am not referring syria lebanon or i'm not referring yemen i'm not referring the rohingya crisis i'm referring a normal situation like you are just sitting in india somewhere down the line i think let's take an example you are sitting in chennai so is there a situation of an armed conflict obviously not and it is hoped that it is never so there is no such such, uh, such situation you know it's just a normal case you're just sitting somewhere doing something you're on a ca- you're in a cafe so it's a situation where human rights treaties exist okay if india is actually um you know exceeded or ratified you know it can either sign or ratify so accession and ratification is a different process that is done by some international organizations but we can say that at least it must be a signatory then some legal obligation start because ratification is more about uh, adopting the law you know adopting the treaty law into your own national law that is by the if you take the indian scenario then as per the indian constitution that is the constitution of india 1950 so there are countless examples how we, how india or any other country has done in their own process of ratification so uh, now in that general scenario how does international politics work so there are a lot of case i tell you the first one international activism so when we take mediation as a procedure it's not about just two sides and one person who is a mediator who is not necessary to be a lawyer or not necessary only to be only a person related with law he need not to be a retired judge or a judge he needs he need not to be a lawyer he need not to be you know a person of law he can be anybody but at least he should understand the basics of mediation but yes that's a different aspect now you can get one thing what i'm trying to refer i'm telling about the procedure of mediation you know i'm telling that mediation is a procedure and these are the elements these are the components how does it work you know that's what you're doing in the mediation program if you have a mediation program but the interesting aspect about mediation which we need to understand today is that in international politics it's entirely different it has a very vast umbrella and if we, if i have referred international activism so let's start with that so activists and when we say activist it doesn't mean any other non state actor in ihl situation we are not taking that extreme case right now we are just taking a normal case right now all the activists can be there and their way of treatment is different what kind of they are you know whether they can be considered civilians and all so that technicality is to be ignored right now let's get to the basic situation of uh, a general non state actor like an activist or i should say a group of activists because one activist doesn't work is just like an individual so let's say 200 or 300 or 500 people or 1000 people as activists protesting against the government or protesting protesting against a policy or protesting against anything so do they have an impact do they affect mediation well they affect a study by mit and other organizations if you refer suggests about the nature of their own i should say activism and this is about understanding how journalism works 
so the nature of journalism is very impactful to make that activism work and that is somehow affecting the nature of mediation because here it will render more complexity so uh, in general uh, political science scholars and international law scholars just think that oh it's more about the general traditional aspects of liberalism and all but it's not so what happens is that they are more embedded and normal procedures don't work all the time so in general terms what is done is that mediation is performed there between two parties parties to dispute so we can say government officials and activists you know on any contention or anything like that vice versa but the involvement of activists can be there the involvement of journalists can be there but how is mediation done so first of all they have an asymmetric conversation so they have an entire they have an entirely different way of doing and that is something which is very interesting you know bit by bit it affects the way they mediate somewhere down the line i will tell you one more example which is very interesting and very important crisis management so uh, you must have heard about the golan heights the infamous golan heights so recently benjamin netanyahu the the then i should say prime minister of israel who is right now a prime minister designate of israel and not a prime minister because he did not make up a majority coalition uh, in the israeli parliament so uh, he claimed that israel would attain the golan heights if he becomes the prime minister of israel so, but i have a question i think in 1974 or 1984 i guess between that time there was a diplomatic negotiation there was a mediation which was done by mr kissinger who was a part of the us services and he was there with the united states and he emerged as diplomat and he was appointed by the united nations to perform the procedure of mediation between the syrian the syrian arab republic uh, might have been a different but i think the name is same syrian arab republic or might be a state of syria we can say and the republic of israel so israel and syria had a negotiation and that guy was involved so crisis management is about territories as well so there are complex situations where we discuss one more example very recent one and i can tell you it's a success recently in january 2019 uh some action was taken some mediation was done by the united nations so an envoy from the un went and had a mediation between the houthis who were backed by iran and uh the yemeni yemen government which was backed by the saudi arabia you know mohammed bin salman and all so a mediation was done there as well how does it work it's all about maintaining some standards it's all about making things easier for both the parties it's the same aspect but you know it's about more about a utility utilitarian perspective it would not be the same land labor or social cultural issue we have a mediation so mediation is a ritual it's a cultural aspect of life theologists and when i say theologists it means the philosophy of religion you know those people who are involved with the philosophy of religion they advocate about mediation in many ways in hindi or i should say in sanskrit it should be said as like shastrarth people mediate ideas so you know international politics has always been affected like that one more interesting aspect of mediation and in international politics and then we'll we'll move with artificial intelligence of course 
is uh, scientific mediation. So, one kind of scientific mediation is like two professors, two scientists or two research scholars discuss and mediate on the basis of their own research that they have regarding environment protection or environment sciences. You know, if we take the whole umbrella, not just climate change all the time. I mean, people just say climate change. Why? It's the whole environment science. Climate change is just a part of it. But yes, it's predominant because of the social situation and other situations. But yes, uh, you know, so those these myths shouldn't exist. So uh, this is one aspect. In scientific mediation, so for example, there's person A, then person B, then both the persons A and B present their ideas. They, you know, these ideas are researched ideas, and they said, okay. What is done is that mediation is done at those points where they disagree and not where they agree, because that is very crucial. If researchers disagree and somewhere down the line we have mediation there, then there will not be a situation that the academia is divided and people are just fighting among themselves and there would not be a crisis of because it is a crisis if it happens that you know research scholars and scientists just quarrel with each other so that is also a way and that works in climate change too scientific mediation is also possible among governments and also among non-state actors so scientific mediation is more about understanding science fact and not science fiction understanding about the aspect that if issues like climate change are to be addressed and at least mediate on what is disagreed that is pretty obvious but yes i am telling you how is it used one more interesting aspect although it's not connected to mediation anyways but still it's about diplomacy and you should know about it that is ideological energy diplomacy so let's go to american international law so after 1945 the united nations was formed in may 1945 we know and after that you know which was the most prominent country involved in international affairs of course the united states after that you know we had europe where a little bit was much there with united kingdom and france then you know other countries soviet union or the ussr was there but still it was a different thing you know but in most terms democratizing the world was something which was much older to the united states with a lot of repercussions if you remember rwanda vietnam yugoslav uh, you should say syria <laughs> Libya and all these countries. So, the USA had an idea of its own nationalism and it embraced the idea of a political democracy in various parts of the world where there was no democracy. Now, just don't get into the political idea of communism or liberalism because any state needs not to be democratic at the time at least. I'm not saying that it should not be democratic. But democratic by its functioning by its powers by its sovereignty by its working and machinery so there were kingdoms there were tribes or there were you know other types of states there were dictator states as well so like deep uh, you know democratic people's republic of korea has an election but only king jong un is the person who is a candidate so it's just an electoral procedure otherwise it's uh, you know pseudo dictatorship or pseudo democratic well, I'm not going to talk about Xi Jinping right now. So, even in China, it's a socialist law, socialist democratic law of the 
you know PRC where we have the courts, we have the system, but the only political party that is that you know is the Communist Party of China. That it's a CPC, and the CPC is the only party. So we, they have a one-party system, but in India that's entirely different. We have a multi-party system in India. So you understand this, right? Democratizing the world is very interesting. The U.S. goes and democratizes Africa, like Rwanda, Nigeria, South Africa, and other countries. Although the U.S. was much not not very much involved in South Africa, obviously it had its own ignorance. Even the ICJ, the International Court of Justice, had in its opinion on Southwest Africa, which it apologized and it was not legitimate. However, that's a different context. Now, um, democratizing is something very important. So, when the use of energy is important for countries, so nation states like USA, Russia, China, Japan, India, they were much involved in energy production and diplomacy. So, the US created an aura to have energy diplomacy in their own fourth with nation states. And it does via putting a little back itself, creating an idea of a political democracy and imbibing the seeds of you know, realizing and feeling that you are the stakeholder, my friend, and not just we the Americans. And that is very interesting. That doesn't seem like a mediation. But you can get an instance how it could be like a mediation, although it is not a mediation. So that is entirely beautiful. Now, since I have talked a lot about international politics, let's get to uh, some other aspects. So, now let's get to artificial intelligence. Now this is very interesting. Uh, artificial intelligence is just not about technology, it's about utility. But it's not only about utility because these days it's just not about technology how it works. It's also about how we make technology an interesting part of our social life. If we really want to make technology as an interesting part of a social life, we need to clearly understand that technology is just not like a tool. Because the problem of the industrial revolution has been that when we create technology, okay, technology is not just a smartphone, an Instagram, or just a Siri in an uh, iPhone. Technology also means a pen. I mean that it's so obvious. So when you have to understand artificial intelligence and mediation, you need to get those basics clear. Technology doesn't mean really, okay, I'm not talking about information technology. Information technology is another branch. But I, I even in electronics or any other field, technology doesn't mean just a laptop or a smart screen or just the my specs. Technology means, if you take the theoretical aspect, you know, if you get to Siberia, you know, in the historical, historical context, and you can say, okay, the Flintstones are also part of technology. The word tech seems like a, a trend, a buzz these days about the robotic sequences, the science fiction. No, it's a modern tech. It's the IT. For India, tech was something different. Under Raja Raja Chola, under the Mauryas, under and other Indian kings and emperors. For Akbar, it was different. For Raja Man Singh, it was different. For Rana Pratap, it was different. So, technology is not about just the modern thing. And one more thing, studying artificial intelligence is very interesting. You can refer works by 
Future of Life Institute. You can refer works by uh, Thomas Burry. You can refer works by Max Tegmark. Awesome works. You can just get an insight of how AI works. So there are a lot of myths about AI. And I'm not going to refer that AI is all about the films like Matrix, Robot 2.0, you know, the sequel of Robot, Ravan, uh, AI, Artificial Intelligence, Passenger, you know, by Jennifer Lawrence and Chris Pratt, you know, Marvel Avengers Endgame or any other film like that, like even Marvel Avengers Age of Ultron. So, you know about Jarvis, right? What kind of AI is it? So he is a kind of, kind of, kind of strong or weak AI. I don't say he's a super intelligence. It depends. He's a just, a, you know, kind of between strong and weak AI. And uh, he actually, you know, according to the commands of Tony Stark, used to act whenever he needed. And he had some more aspects. So that's why I say he's not a super intelligence, but he can do a lot of activities. And it was much better. It was, he was not, not like Siri. Or, you know, the recent Google Assistant released in San Francisco in 2018 of Google I.O. The Google Duplex, I mean. I'm so sorry. So, the very interesting aspect of this uh, development of AI is that when Alan Turing, the first person of artificial intelligence, although before that, the Chinese and others just conceived him in writings, but it was Alan Turing who developed Christopher against the enigma of the Nazis, that is the Nazi Germany of Adolf Hitler. They actually had, a, had an aspect of why AI is important for them. Because a machine, and I am referring the polite convention theory of Alan Turing, so you can have a read at his work called The Imitation Game. Very interesting, it's available for free. Alan Turing is a guy who said, it doesn't matter whether a machine can think like a human but it matters whether you can realize whether the machine is thinking or a human is thinking when the machine ha is having any kind of interaction with you so it depends on your common sense whether there is a human interaction going on to you who you are that is a human or a machine is doing it can you even have a common sense to realize that or even have a generic sense about that. And that is something which is interesting to understand about artificial intelligence. It's a techno-socialization. Tech is now merging with humanity. It's trying to merge with humanity. So, it's a beautiful process. So, uh, there are two kinds of natures of artificial intelligence. The first kind of artificial intelligence as an entity. And the second kind of is artificial intelligence as a utility. These two natures are very interesting. The entertainment nature suggests, uh, which is a part of my upcoming book on artificial intelligence and international law, which will come soon, is that artificial intelligence is very inquisitive. Very inquisitive. And it is more self-transformative as a legal personality, as a juristic personality. It has a lot of capabilities. It can make its own kingdom, like an animal kingdom can make its own kingdom, its own species, or it has its own species. Many kinds of AI are there, not the very basic traditional definitions. So for mediation, how does it help? Achha, let's get to the second one as well. So utilitarian one is the basic AI we know. Uh, 
you know any AI which is classified as a utility based AI is just like a technology based purpose. So, something like which has a utility, but you know it is not considered whether it can have value. Why? And I tell you why this discrimination is important here utility and entitative. See, in Saudi Arabia, by, uh, you know, a robot named Sophia, very popular robot by Hansen Robotics was declared as a citizen of Saudi Arabia. But by the way, there's no law that declares robots as citizens. So she was just declared as. So there's no particular basic law doing that. Okay. The United Kingdom is eager to, one more example, so I'm giving that the United Kingdom is eager to have a Brexit with the you know, European Union, you know, leaving the European Union. And Boris Johnson is there right now. Or, you know, other candidates like Gove, Jeremy Hunt, Sajid Javid and all that. They are to want to, who want to be the Prime Minister. So the United Kingdom is doing what? Let's go to that. They are trying to treat artificial intelligence as a general technology for public utility. And they are trying to sue the corporates for that. Even in California, the Democrats have recently, even in the United States, uh, presented an Algorithmic Accountability Act as a bill, which is yet to be passed, I guess. At the, at the best of my memory, where a clause I remember states that artificial intelligence, it's not written artificial intelligence, but it's automated systems. You understand that automated system. So it's not complete AI, it's just an automation. So there's a whole layer. So a particular AI, for example, we say automation is a kind of AI, but it's not AI in general. An automated system, if commits something which is not rendered okay, then the algorithms that are involved make the company liable. So, uh, I will take you to one more journey to the European Data Protection Supervisor Declaration in October 2018, I think 30th, 13th October 2018, in a conference where France, Italy, Germany, and I think uh, I think Poland or Estonia, you know, uh, um, these countries at least were there. I am confused a little bit about Poland and Estonia, but other these three countries were there. They had declared a declaration, which is very interesting. I am telling about the two principles and then let us move forward more. So, the first principle is the privacy by default and design principle. Very interesting if you want to understand how it works. Privacy by design is about how you will design the privacy features of an artificial intelligence default is about privacy by default is about how you design sorry how you make the features for privacy purposes related to the user that is the data subject if you refer to gdpr for artificial intelligence you know if an ai is interacting with any particular data subject then how are the default privacy features are fixed so, there are two kinds of barriers. The first is the technical barrier, that is a default barrier. And the second one is more of a constructive and existential barrier, more of a sculpture, more of a techno sculpture which is created. And okay, there is a barrier we, we are creating, which is a default one, but then another one which we are creating is more about how will it make something behave, enculturing something. So, you know how deep is it you know it can boom you <laughs> now the other principle is the fairness principle and it is more about the positive law thing which we have you know more about civil law so how it works very simple uh, some fairness principle is about like 
it must have an objective clarity it must have a purpose it should be limited only to that purpose you know the very basic aspects so you can refer the declaration as well the adps declaration what does it teach about mediation so we have virtual learning systems which can be used for mediation we have virtual connectivity systems which can be used for mediation but that is the material aspect of cyberspace that is something which is materially connecting with us but what about those ai robots who can be involved in mediation so psychological attributes are always always exist in mediation something which is very crucial is confidentiality how much the matter is kept confidential between the disputed parties and the mediators involved if is there is one then only one mediator but you know ex mediators involved which is very interesting why because this is a kind of self help as well and confidentiality is something which is very interesting with ai you know i mean think an ai robot or an ai software a voice recognition software listening to you and just responding to you is involved in mediation how much clear it would be how much humane it could be how much human it can be and how much clear it can have in its own approach to treat with humans this is something which people hardly care take care of right now it's also a dilemma where artificial intelligence can replace lawyers i don't think so it will happen ever it will take a lot of time at least 50 plus years because the technology is not yet that much advanced even if google has done that that is after 10 years i guess pichai sundar pichai has declared that i think many years after it was done so even we may accelerate the speed but still it may take a lot of time because the way artificial intelligence must behave is about more connecting to humans but we should not violate the polite convention doctrine so as a law person or as a layman what you can think of that ai affects mediation but we should take care of the confidentiality factor we should understand these declarations and we should understand how the gdpr works and also we should understand that artificial intelligence if can be a mediator or even can be a party who knows in future i mean who knows must be connected with society because the best it is connected with the society and not isolatory the best we can embody and manifest the ai with our life and definitely it will affect the law it will definitely affect the law so here is it this was a special session on mediation artificial intelligence and international politics by internationalism so this is abhivardhan and i'm elated to have your ages on that so thank you so much uh, reach me out at facebook instagram uh linkedin and other portals i'm also available on medium and you know you can just hang me for the chat just you know ask me for a chat or for a call if you wish to discuss about this aspect at abhivardhan@internationalism.co.in thank you so much never be the same no the world beyond